You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Faye, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go. You can stand and shout Eureka, do whatever you like. You'll never forget the moment when lightning strikes. Hi. This is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the heart-thumping, tingly, mic-drop moment that led you to becoming an artist. My guests today are James Clary, Erica Jensen, and Paul Davis of the casting team Clary Jensen Davis, the winners of 14 Ardios Awards. They have a vast repertoire for Broadway, off-Broadway, major motion pictures, television series, and on and on and on. Among the agency's upcoming theatrical projects are the Broadway productions of For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough, Thoughts of Colored Men, and Blue. And their recent television hits include Apple TV's Dickinson. The trio was just nominated for yet another Ardios Award for Excellence in Casting for the Pride Plays, which played off-Broadway last season. This past February, they went from being Clary Casting to Clary Jensen Davis to better reflect the equal partnership that has been central to the company's success over these past 15 years. And they reaffirmed their commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion to ensure equal access to opportunity for all performers. As they said in a joint statement, it is the responsibility of every industry, including ours, to meet this moment by carving out a fairer, more equitable path forward. We are entering 2021 with a renewed vision for how we can fulfill this moral imperative across every discipline we service. We sound amazing. I just I want to meet them. I want them on my refrigerator. There's so much to talk about. Somebody asked, what do you do? Really, what do you do? I have a vision, but I don't know if I really get it. What would you say? This is Paul. And uh, it's funny because I've taken my 83-year-old father to plays that I've cast and will leave after the show and he'll say to me did you have something to do with that uh, <laughs> and, and i'll be like did you read the program and 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 he'll, he'll he sometimes you know i'll say how busy we are what we're working on and he'll say oh are they paying you for that and, <laughs> and you know it's it's a job that a lot of people don't understand and yeah. now in universities there's more of an awareness and sort of a, a training program for it but it's it's really a field of mentors who sort of teach mm-hmm people what the what it is to cast and to that end you know James had been my acting teacher when I was in college at UC Irvine and Erica had been his intern so I we really learned from him and um 
I'll let them. I talk a lot, so I'll I'll stop and let them continue the explanation. Well, this is James. He's making me sound much older than I am because I was really just a graduate student when I was teaching him. But I will say that, um, you know, uh, I I think casting directors in a way are are curators of talent. You know, we we um, we tend to try to keep our eye on what's out there and who's. <clears throat> who's coming into the field and we become sort of fans of of certain actors you know and our our sort of goal is to figure out how to introduce them to the projects we're working on how to give them opportunity uh to engage in in all the different you know projects we work on mm-hmm. yeah and uh also uh just to um Uh, continue off of uh, what uh, Paul and James have both said. When I started as James's intern at Playwrights Horizons, I was in graduate school. And my program at the time didn't have a professional practice um, segment. So I had no idea what a casting director did. So I entered uh, my internship completely blind, um, not really understanding the relationship between casting directors and actors and agents. And um, for me, it was incredibly eye-opening to see that there was somebody, you know, sort of directing, you know, uh, uh, the creative teams and writers toward, uh, the actors that, uh, could help tell their stories. So, you know, in my mind at that time, casting directors are also like the connectors, uh, between, um, uh, between, uh, in this, in the creative process. Where were you in school? What were you doing at school? What were you studying? I was studying acting. I, I was uh, in graduate school and I was getting an MFA in acting. And that's what I uh, had intended to do when I uh, uh, moved to New York. Um, but then I discovered uh, casting as James's intern. And, uh, and, and once I understood what a casting director did, um, that was like a moment where I thought, oh, I could really do this job <laughs> instead. <laughs> and um, and uh, I really... Um, uh, I, I really loved it. I thought it was, uh, it was just like a incredible experience to be a, uh, an intern at Playwrights Horizons and, and, <sighs> and, and have that experience with James. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's what a wonderful place to start. Yeah, And I love how you're all such an integral part Uh of of the process. So James, since it all began with you, can you talk about your lightning strikes moment when you knew you had to follow this path or, mm. or moments? Yeah, I guess there's a series of moments. I mean, I was an actor. I studied acting. I got my MFA um, and worked with, I mean, I, I studied under Grotowski and Robert yeah. Cohen. I had these really great mentors teaching me sort of the craft of what that was. And I remember, I think it was like my second year in graduate school, I had also, um, during the summer, had taken a workshop with Michael Shirtliff, who I think most people know, he's sort of like a well-renowned author of this book for actors called Audition, which is sort of a Bible for a lot of actors. I was at uh, University of California, Irvine, where I taught Paul. The way I got through graduate school is I was uh, teaching acting. It was helping me pay for my for my schooling. So um, one summer when I was uh, on break, I took a, I took a workshop with Michael Shirtliff, who was 
sort of mm. this uh, amazing, amazing author of this book audition. And, and I had taken it just to, as an actor, just trying to understand the craft better. And as he was teaching, he, he was talking about sort of his profession, which was this casting director. And I, I had never really, really considered that. I mean, he was looking at everything through the perspective of and as a casting director, as acting through a technique, through the experience of, of holding auditions. And I, I guess I would say that was really a moment for me that I just never considered it. Everything he talked about sounded really fascinating and it, it put a lot of things in line for me. And so um, when I, I, when I actually started in New York, when I moved to New York, I was an assistant at a talent agency, a very big talent agency. And, uh, and I credit that for learning a lot about the business learning a lot about negotiations and contracts, but it wasn't near creative enough for me. But the best thing about that job is I was talking to casting directors every day on the phone. And after a certain amount of time, I decided to quit and, I called a couple people that I had would speak to frequently. And one was Alexa Fogel, who was the head at ABC casting on the East coast at that time. And, um, Daniel Swee, who had just yeah. left playwrights horizons and had went to Lincoln center. Yes. Um, those two people I really credit for giving me my first breaks. Alexa hired me as an assistant at ABC and it was sort of a, the right place at the right time. I was working on NYPD blue right when it had started, of course, I'm dating myself now, but it was it was a it was a really you know fantastic show to sort of just learn what what exactly um, the casting process was and and then I went off to work with Daniel Swee at Lincoln Center for a bit and I assisted him on the film The Crucible and around that time this job opened up at Playwrights Horizons they had a new artistic director um, I threw my hat in the ring for it being fairly unexperienced, but I went in and, and, and got the job. And that was really the start of everything for me. And uh, I, I remained there for 10 years at, at Playwrights. That's extraordinary. And so Paul, what was your lightning strikes moment? Well, moments? Um, <laughs> I, I was a little bit of a, a lost young person. I'd started out as a dance major in college and um, I didn't want to learn dance notation. So I changed to drama and that's when James taught my intro to acting class. And um, after I graduated, I worked a little bit as a dancer in uh, summer stock and on a cruise ship. And then I moved to New York and James had been my pen pal the whole time and had famously said to me that New York's bark was worse than its bite. And um, for my first few years in the city, I, um, I was taking dance class and occasionally auditioning and realizing that I wasn't really competitive. And my therapist told me about career transitions for dancers. And they, if you've been in a union or made a certain amount of money as a dancer, you can qualify for free counseling. And I got my first non-performing resume together. And James was at Playwrights at the time. And he, this is when dating myself and James at the same time, there were fax machines and job postings <laughs> would come in on the fax machine. And um, sort of in tandem with being friends with James and going to career transitions for dancers and realizing that I actually did have some qualifications um, in the field because I was just, I, I loved the theater. I loved actors. I loved performers. And um, because James, and I talked all the time, I sort of had a little bit of an insider view of what he did. And I, um, I very luckily landed my first job as an assistant uh, on the revival of Annie Get Your Gun with Bernadette Peters, which Betsy Bernstein was casting with Howie Cherpikov. Uh. And um, they also were doing the in-house casting for Chicago, the musical at the time. So um, uh, it, it was, it, there was a little bit, I, I remember, I think, I had said in my cover letter to Betsy that I was a pop culture junkie and, and, uh, and she highlighted that in my interview. <laughs> and it was the first time that I realized like, Oh, that could actually work to my advantage. And uh, it helped. And, and then sort of through it all, while I had jobs in different offices around the city, I had my friendship with James who sort of would give me the, 
the insider track about different agencies or actors or you know i would i i tend to be a nervous person so i would call and consult with him and but there was something really uh amazing about i had felt that i had been meandering for my first few years in the city but i was seeing a lot of theater and staying interested in what i was interested in and then all of a sudden like oh the people that i was seeing on stages or even on auditions could now be on my lists as a casting assistant and um so that was sort of it for me Oh, that's wonderful. I love that you're all, you all have a performing background that you started that way. And so Erica, talk to me about your lightning strikes moments. Yeah. Um, similarly to Paul and James, I was in uh, graduate school and um, I had to do an internship uh, in a, at a theater in order to um, graduate, uh, to fulfill uh, my graduation requirements. Uh, I was at Illinois State University, which is in a cornfield in normal Illinois. And uh, I uh, packed, I got the internship. I was offered um, a few internships um, in New York. And um, I decided to take the one at Playwrights Horizons because um, it sounded like the uh, the one that would be the most involved. It was also full-time. And um, and I remember at that time, uh, they, they, they offered interns... Uh, a little tiny bit of money, which was, uh, which was better than, you know, uh, nothing. (laughs) Um, and you know, and moving to New York was, uh, was a little bit, uh, scary. Um, but I packed up my stuff and drove from Chicago to New York and moved to Astoria and lived with, um, three other, uh, uh, actresses. Um, and, uh, uh, and I, interned, uh, there with James, um, at Playwrights Horizons. And my first day, I don't know if James remembers this, but my very first day, um, there, we, uh, Chris Durang, was that what it was? Yeah, we were casting, uh, they were casting Betty Summer Vacation with Christopher Durang. So my very first day, uh, I met Christopher Durang, which was huge. Mm. I, I didn't, I wasn't sure that I would be able to function, (laughs) um, um, you know, as a graduate student who had studied, you know, his work and, you know, and lots of other playwrights, I was, um, sort of stunned to be introduced on my very first day to him. And then, um, the, uh, the actors coming in were also people I recognized from television, (laughs) <laughs> and um and so i was sort of like making this connection but uh, you know like these actors that i'd seen on tv uh were also uh auditioning for plays and it just sort of blew my mind <laughs> that you know that that was happening and um and so you know i i think it it, it just i think it happened yeah it happened pretty quickly like just that first day so much happened and um you know suddenly uh, just watching James and um, his then associate Elaine Aldaffer, who is now the casting director at Playwrights Horizons, um, watching them interact with the with the team and um, watching how they worked with the act, how they interacted with the actors and with um, the uh, the director and the writer, and um, was was something that I thought, well, this feels very creative, and if I ever decide that I don't want to be an actor anymore. Um, then this is, then this is a really, this would be a really great um, career to pursue. That's phenomenal. That's That's so (laughs) phenomenal. Can you talk about some of the joy of what you do when you get sort of that blank slate? Like I think about, you know, the Sondheim lyric, you know, finishing the hat, you know, when you get your proverbial hat, like a Dickinson, you know, a period piece, you know, something epic and, you know, or, or, um, what, what's that like for you? What's the joy of getting that project? This is James. Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, the, the really cool powder part about our job is that, uh, every, every project is very, very different. Right. And so sort of us trying to crack the code of what the world is and what type of actors sort of inhabit that world is a really uh, creative part of our job, you know, because every piece has a different, very specific tone, a very specific temperature and 
trying to figure out who the the talent is in the city and of course all over the country and and outside of the country who what actors are specifically the right fit for that uh universe or zip code so to speak is a really cool part of the job um this is paul and i would add erica said earlier that we're connectors and i think we also listen so when you read something you have your own ideas and start your own list and then we talk amongst ourselves and then you talk to the creative team and they have people in mind and and what i find so exciting um is like you know, uh, it's a field of mutual introductions because we're introducing mm-hmm. actors to creative teams and then very often they're introducing people who've worked in their orbit. And um, and so it becomes this like really magical mosaic of of talent that assembles to, to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I love that image of the magical mosaic. Oh, I was just going to yeah. add, you know, uh, and then, you know, of course, as, as James and Paul are both saying, uh, finding out what the needs are of, of the project and uh, whether that be, you know, six, seeing 16 bars of, you know, of, of, of some contemporary song or running on a treadmill <laughs> and having, or ha- and having to swim in a pool, <laughs> you know, um, we, you know, so you have those, those, the needs of, of the project um, are also, you know, it's always just really exciting for us Um to to figure out like what we're going to be experiencing uh, with each um, individual project. Do you? I imagine your reach. I mean, I can't. I know pre-pandemic, you probably you have to see everything. Your 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 tentacles. You are just out everywhere, right? Trying to find those those mm-hmm. the talent, the zip code, right? Um, how has that shifted? now you know that we're in a pandemic yeah no doubt that's it's been challenging we all all three of us teach so we yeah. have uh we, we we have uh we we have you know our students and uh uh and uh, uh graduate school showcases are still available and there's also been virtual theater yes. um we you know i don't know that the three of us have been attending much virtual theater, but it is out there. Um, Paul had something to say. I think that's better than what I'm saying right now. I don't don't think it's better. I think we had, we had talked about this earlier about zoom theater. And and for me, there's something about, about it that makes me a little melancholy because it, it doesn't replicate the experience of going to the theater the way that we used to. And so I haven't leaned into that so much, but there, mm-hmm. it's sort of impressive to see like graduating students present virtual showcases, some of which are really amazing. And also, I think we have such empathy for any actor who's sort of emerging right now. Um, so, uh, and also, I think we're we're in awe of just how resourceful they are with social media or uh, other ways that they exercise their creativity during this time when there there aren't theater spaces that that can offer performances. I remember Chris Jackson talking about one of his first auditions and how pivotal that was when he felt he he really connected with um, the casting directors and how that changed the course of his life, how they got him and how they saw him. And he understood, and it was just this kind of symbiotic moment, this beautiful moment. But do you, are there moments that you could point to where you saw somebody who you, nobody had heard of and you, and then you put them in a production and the world. We had all, um, this is Paul. We had all seen Nina Arianda do um, Importance of Being Earnest in grad school, and we were just over the moon. And yeah. we were working at Classic Stage Company uh, for Walter Bobby and David Ives for Venus and Fur. And that play had Oof. gone through a number of developmental readings where we had put sort of celebrity actors in the readings, and it, it just wasn't sort of working the way they envisioned and and we all just sort of thought we got to the point that instead of offering out the role we would go into session and it was sort of a one and done like a straight to wardrobe situation it, it was just sort of like like true lightning really you know and now she's playing 
uh, Ethel and the and the, the opposite Nicole Kidman. It's it's extraordinary. Yes, I remember that. I remember seeing it, that that sparse stage and oh, she's electric. I remember seeing that production of Venus and Fur. And what you talk about is it hard to put into words when you know an actor has that that talent, that je ne sais quoi. That how, how do you know, or is that just I know it when I see it, or can you describe it? What what work when you see something that just is electric? I don't know. This is James. I think that you know. I think it's more along the lines of how do they know when they know? I mean, it, mm-hmm. like for someone like Nina or any of those like auditions where someone comes in, uh, I'm thinking also like Jeremy Strong when we did that play um, downtown, you know, sometimes they come in and they have a complete understanding. It's almost like they have, the playbook of what that role is. And so it's, it's more, it's less, I I guess what I want to say is it's, it's more that they come in and you sense that they, they walk in the door and they're saying to you, I have all the answers here. I, I know how to do this. This, this is like in my wheelhouse and I have an understanding of what this is. And then they show that to us. So that reveal is something sort of, really remarkable right because there are a lot of actors that come in that are sometimes sensing around or or feeling around in the dark and and they're doing good work but they're sort of trying to find their way um Mm -hmm. these actors they come in and they it's almost like they it's almost like there's been a sort of a channeling that they just know exactly what this role is how to do it and what the needs are for the writer and the and the director and then they walk in the room and fulfill that. And that's really hard, I think, to, to describe when you're, when you're seeing it, but you just know the feeling of it when it's happening. It makes me think of Lena Hall when she came in for Yitzhak because yeah. we had asked mm-hmm. women to come in in male drag. And so they were in the hallway. And most women, their instinct, because what everyone knew was either the Jane Street production or the film, People yes. came in sort of with their version of what Miriam Shore had looked like. And Lena Hall came in and sort of told us who her Yitzhak was. And it was not <laughs> a carbon copy. And it was extraordinary. It was like take the bull by the horns, kind of a, a, a an electric moment. Um, and, and also, you know, like that's, uh, you know, there are people who have the craft and the notes and and the training and that's essential too. But there, there is that, like that added, I mean, she had made this YouTube video of Yitzhak yearning to play every character in rent. And she had shot it herself (laughs) on the, on the, on the streets of New York city in front of different marquees. And it was just like the whole team had their jaws on the floor I think there was like no question who was going to get that part and then win the Tony. Mm-hmm. So she brought that with her? Or, yeah. Oh, I'll let you mm-hmm. talk. <laughs> yeah. In, in character as Yitzhak, she, she pulled out a knife at it and showed yeah. it live. In the <laughs> she put on a show. Like it was. She's incredible. I've talked yeah. to her. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. she talks about her routine in the, anyway, sitting on a, on a suitcase on the subway for anyway, that she how she brings her her toolkit with her every her bag of tricks, and then you know you have those actors who um, who seem to sort of figure it out like really fast in their careers, like really early, and then you watch other actors who are talented as as James mentioned, and it maybe takes them a little bit longer to find their voice or find their power in in an audition uh, setting, and so watching uh, watching those people. Um, uh, who come in and um, are auditioning solidly, but then suddenly something click clicks in for them, and then they're just booking work, and you're just seeing them take off, and it's um and that's another that's also really exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, watch watching those people who who have who have a little bit of maybe a longer journey. You, you know, it does take that five or six years after after graduate school for them to really click in or after whatever training they've had to really click in. Being in New York for a certain amount of time, 
and it finally starts to click and you sort of watch this wave sort of build up around them. And, um, and that's, uh, that's really exciting. Is there something you would like to say to actors? I, I love that you're all teachers as well, but is there something you would say to actors who are some, sometimes who are so terrified of going into that audition room? I think the audition, you know, process itself is a, is a odd, mysterious one, but you know, we're really, and in and, and so many ways, the actors cheerleaders. I mean, we really want every person to come in to just do fantastic. I mean, that that's, it's going to make our job easier, you know? So I, I guess what I want to say, just the point of view of, of knowing that we're rooting for you, that we're wanting you to do the best you can do, that we're not there in a place of judgment. We're just there to try to, to try to, um, you know, give our, our, our producers, our director, our writer, are the best, the best possible talent. And so if we're already bringing you in, we're fans. We're, we're like, you have us at hello. And then it's just <laughs> a matter of like what you do with that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I too, I think um, this is Paul. I, there's, 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 there is an element of fairy dust and like stars aligning for a career to lock in. And, and we've certainly seen people who are extraordinarily talented who at a certain point decide to uh, hang up their hat. There was an actor out of Juilliard a few years ago and I, now he's like a photographer. And I remember that I had a moment, I was checking actors in in the hall at Pearl Studios and he and I had this moment where we were sort of like looking down the crowded hallway and there was like a dance call in one studio and like actor musicians in another and just like just this sort of hive of activity and it was magical and surreal and and I, I, we had this moment of like, what are we both participating in right now? And I think he, he at a certain point was like, I don't want this to be my life. And I think that's a-okay. Like he found mm-hmm. a, a way to transition and, and celebrate his creativity in another arena where he felt more empowered. And he was like a terrific actor. We had cast him in a play at the Rattlestick and something regionally as well. And I think he just decided to refocus and find enrichment elsewhere. And, and there was no sort of shame or sadness in that transition, I don't think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, um, that um, uh, one thing that actors, uh, that actors talk about a lot uh, is um, what control they have, you know, over their careers and over the process. And um, so I advise actors to control the things that they can control Um if they are going to pursue it and they're going to stay in it, then when they show up for auditions, then they need to be prepared and whatever preparedness means, you know, make sure you've read the script, make sure you've done your homework on uh, who's in the room. And, um, and to echo uh, what James said, um, uh, part of that um, part of the preparedness is also under to some degree, understanding uh, what James said that the casting directors are on your side and everybody in that room, I would say from my experience that everybody in the room is on the actor's side, you know, uh, once, uh, once, once whoever's coming in to, um, to solve their, their problem, <laughs> you know, to be the, an- to be the answer to the question. Um, and, um, uh, and so, um, you uh, there's no way that you're not going to be nervous when you come into an audition, you know? Uh, and so, and, and I, and I, to this day, haven't figured out, like, I, I haven't figured out how to use my nerves to my advantage. Anybody saying that to me has like, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> but um, I think uh, maybe having the thought that you're walking into a space where the people for the most part are rooting for you and are on your side and, and want, um, and, and, and want, uh, the best. Yeah. And also that, you know, like that, this is what you, you've chosen to do. I mean, the actor's chosen this career and what a sort of incredible opportunity you get to be able to come in and do your work in front of other people and, and sort of own that a little bit that, that this is just a a fantastic opportunity to do what you love and to work on something, however brief it might be, to work on something deeply and engage in that and be able to have that time to, to do what you really love to do in front of others. 
even mm-hmm. as it, as it is an audition. Yeah, I love that. See it as a gift. Yeah, to do your mm-hmm. art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about in the office a lot. Sometimes you forget who you actually cast. You just remember auditions that you loved. And so when you're working on something new, it's sort of this, um, I was saying, it feels like you're a little bit on the game show because you're like, oh, who came in for this? And remember that audition and this person who did that? And then things sort of like cross-pollinate and evolve. And um, and it, it, it really is a gift. When you think that this is what people do for a living, like it's it's pretty extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And do you want to talk about how you went, the agency went from being Clary casting to Clary Jensen Davis and that choice, and also you're reaffirming your commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion. This is definitely a three person answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know, uh, we've been we've been together for a long time, as we as we uh, have already said, and um, we started talking a, a little bit about uh, a name change uh, a while ago. Um, uh, but uh, you know, but then we'd have times where we get very busy, and we really couldn't focus on on that. And um, we knew within our office that the three of us were working um, as partners, and. Um, so it didn't necessarily feel like there was a rush to, uh, at least on at least from my end, it didn't feel like there was necessarily a rush to try to to make uh, any big formal announcements or changes. Uh, and then the pandemic happened, and uh, we were we had all this time, and um, we we gave up our office. Uh, we we all scattered. I, I you know I stayed in Brooklyn. James and Paul went to their houses in Socrates and. Uh, we uh, realized that, uh, you know, we weren't sure if we were going to have work anymore. Everything that we'd been working on, like, you know, just like everybody else, everything we'd work, we've been working on had stopped production. And, um, and we, I guess we were sort of trying to figure out what we were going to do next. Uh, I think Paul wanted to open a pie shop, which would have been <laughs> really Nice. Wow. And so I think I think uh, the having the time to reflect um, gave us an opportunity to really decide what we wanted to do next. And so the discussion of the name change resurfaced, and we started to talk more seriously about what that would look like. And, uh, so we started just put the the wheels in motion to make that happen. And then the timing just felt, felt right. Um, uh, in addition, um, it started to feel like this renewed, uh, sense of, of energy in our industry, um, uh, toward equity, inclusion, and diversity. Uh, it seemed like, uh, changing our name would also, uh, could speak to that as well and speak to like what our office represents. So I'll let them chime in. <laughs> You're talking a lot. <laughs> but you, t- you talk so beautifully, Erica. Yes. I feel like, yes. I feel like you could be and a voiceover like, artist. You could be. Ah, <laughs> uh, next career. <laughs> right. A lot of side hustles going on the pie shop, the voiceover. <laughs> <Yes. and so. laughs> I decided it's more fun to bake pies for people you, you know and love personally as opposed to doing high volume. So that was leading. <laughs> high volume. High <laughs> volume. Um, no, I think Erica said it best. And, you know, uh, also, and we were talking recently, I think we've always internally known that we've been equal partners and, and we so much value the fact that James sort of brought us up and mentored us and, and we learned the ropes from him. And, and then Erica was saying recently that, Post name change, sort of the, like the flood of out, outreach she's received from from actors about the significance of 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 that change has really. I don't know. Would you say it surprised you, Erica, or resonated, or? Mm. Um, I think both. I was. I, I've been surprised, and um, yeah, and 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 it has resonated. It's it's been a 
I, I'd like to know what it's like for the two of you though, too. Like mm. it's been pretty, uh, it's been, mm. yeah, it's been interesting for me. <laughs> I, I, um, Gerald, it was so funny because what, before we logged on today, we sort of talked and we're like, well, what was our aha lightning strikes moment? And, and part, part of it for me, James had said a series of moments, but I had always approached employment as this sort of like working for somebody else. And to me, coming to this awareness that you can be in business with your best friends is, uh, was, was such a, um, so like to me, just on a very like sappy level to, to have like a, a pretty new logo that has all our names in it with individual colors and, and <laughs> sort of just, to me, it's a celebration of that friendship and business partnership. And um, mm-hmm. as, as Erica said, you know, I think we're also shell shocked when the shutdown hit and I had, been sick mildly with COVID, but I was sort of out of commission mm. for two weeks. And we were still connecting just because it's sort of like, well, what are you watching on TV? Or, you know, just how's the family <laughs> or how are the dogs? And um, I, I feel like even when there's not work, we're still drawn to always just um, collaborating together or connecting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, uh, this is James. I, I just think it was just time, you know, they, uh, Paul and Erica uh, in, in many ways have been my right arm and left arm, you know, like I, there was no way I would have left playwrights horizons and branched out on our own without them. And so it was, it's just, they have been such an integral part of what we are as a whole that it it was sort of a, just a natural progression in a way. And it was something we've been doing for so many years, but it felt like, well, why not sort of celebrate that and recognize that and announce that in a way that has been really uh, fulfilling. Yeah. I w- oh, that's wonderful. I wondered about the yay and the yang of all of you, you know, how you complement each other. <laughs> and how you work off each other, you know, it sounds like you're, vi- you're musicians, you know, vibing off each other. Is it, <laughs> is it like that? <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're definitely, um, I, I, I think of James and Paul as, as my family and, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I absolutely know that I would not have stayed in this as long had it not been for our relationship. It's uh, a really special and, uh, and I, and, and I have worked with other people um, in casting and I, I can tell you that we are very unique <laughs> and special. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and we do five off each other and uh you know, we have our times when, of course, like any family where, you know, we'll have like our disagreements and, but we have found ways to work them out. And, yeah. uh, we, um, but, but we mostly, uh, just work and we work and take care of each other, you know, uh, very, very well. There was a point when James and Erica were suggesting, maybe you should go back to therapy. And I did. And, uh, and talking to my therapist, you know, the sort of goal becomes about staying in conversation, staying in the relationship with the people that you want to be in the relationship with. And I'm so grateful, you know, when Erica talks about there have, there certainly have been difficult times. And one time, you know, it was a, an anemic couple of years and we worked out of James's apartment and it was a four floor walk up, but it was also sort of magical because we were surrounded by, our dogs and, and we, we found workstations in like a junior one bedroom in the West village. And, um, and we're, you know, we're, we're grateful that we don't have to do that anymore. We, we all now work from our own homes, but, um, but you know, like uh, I, I, I sort of personally, I'm just so grateful um, to, to have them sticking it out with me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful that you can be imperfect, you know, in, you know, how, like family that they mm-hmm. embra- embrace your crazy, your imperfections. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. I was thinking about those steps and I got, and I was pregnant and I would walk up those steps <laughs> and like, right. I noticed 
like over over the course of nine months, it got harder and harder to go up those steps. <laughs> we we all uh, we always threaten that we're going to write a television show about our casting office, and I think that <laughs> that season would be Erica's pregnancy. And then James was on vacation in Cape Cod, and there was a bed bug scare in his building, and and yeah. like we like went into <laughs> high drama. Did you ever see submissions only? I love that. Oh, it's so much yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, mm-hmm. is that art imitating life? Very much so. <laughs> Like the crazy people bring in literal, like um, literal uh, raw meat to do their scenes, and then throwing it in the garbage can in the room, like turkey giblet. Anyways, you had brought up uh, sort of our our renewed commitment. And Erica, please, if I could see you, I bet you'd be blushing. But I won't name the TV show. But we were working on a TV show once, and and. Erica, you'll tell the story better than me, but they was it a, a what political office was it that they like they Eric had suggested It's like, a senator? It was a senator. They wanted a, a senator, play a senator. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. Eric, like we had put women on our list and and the showrunner of the show was like, Well, this isn't accurate because there aren't any female senators and like <gasps> I don't think we were physically in the same room at the time, but Erica responded with, Well, actually there are, and here are their names. <laughs> and it was just like this <laughs> victorious moment. Tawanda. That's the weirdest <laughs> reference. Do you know what that is? <laughs> yeah. Fried green. Yeah. <laughs> Never oh my god! Oh, oh, the, oh my gosh! Fried green tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> good. But that—that that was your like. Oh, that yeah. That you named the senators. That's so great. <laughs> it was like yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, to that end, uh, it, it's uh, you know that's a, like a small little internal victory. Before I worked with James and Erica, they were on another show, and James said that like whenever if they would suggest like a non-white person for a role, the the coded language that they would get in response was sort of like, oh, that's interesting. You know, <laughs> it's like, well, why, why can't an Asian woman play the attorney? You know, it's like, so, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, that thankfully was a long time ago and, and the teams that we're working with now are, you know, it's just, uh, it's so lovely and refreshing. And also I think when you're in business, as long as you have, you have some agency in terms of who you choose to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, mean, I mean, do you see that the, the landscape really is opening, especially for um, actors who are differently abled, who are, um, I think of actors with cerebral palsy or, yeah, or, or have other challenges, um, that that's really changing and that it's not just, oh, this is a, a role for a person with cerebral palsy, but they happen to have cerebral palsy. I think so. I mean, we've learned sort of now, you know, sort of my motto has always been, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, you know? So as opposed to asking now, we, we try to just do it. We try to just bring that in, show us, uh, you know, a different uh, type of actor. And, and, and by doing that, it sort of just, allows the conversation to just be part of the conversation as opposed to something sort of um, different or that it has to be, you know, you have to sort of get some sort of uh, odd permission to do something like that, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it does yeah, seem... Yeah, and it also takes like, uh, it also takes, um, it, absolutely, um, I, I love, I have very much adopted James's um, ask, um Forgiveness, uh, <laughs> not permission. <laughs> um, uh, in, in my, in, in many, in many ways in my life, <laughs> um, and um, uh, and uh, and also, um, hopefully, um, hopefully, um, what hopefully what will happen is more people get, will get on board with uh, when they see a breakdown go out, and there aren't a lot of. Uh, any, there isn't anything necessarily that distinguishes these characters that are on the breakdown where they have to, where they can't be differently abled, for example. It, there shouldn't be anything stopping an agent or a manager from submitting actors that they represent, um, you know, uh, to fill those roles. Um, because, yeah, we need, we, we need to work, um, 
you know, collaboratively across, you know, across the board, you know, with, with the agents that we work with and with uh, writers and directors and, and producers. And, and it's heartening that it, it does feel sort of like across the casting community, Erica participated in this panel and there were casting directors from New York, LA, San Diego, the South, and everyone in the casting community is having this conversation and, and, and it's heartening. Um, so that it's, mm -hmm. it gives, it gives a person hope. Yeah. It's wonderful. What is your pie? What's your go-to pie that you love to make? <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I used to have tantrums because I could not roll a crust. And James's mom, had, when she comes out for Thanksgiving, she always gives a crust tutorial. She's um, the queen uh, of pie crust. She's she amazing. And, uh, and she has saved many a pie crust for me. So I actually don't bake pies that often, but we have a really um, good... Um, Apple pie, it's a Nick Malgeri recipe that, that you cannot Ooh. go wrong with. <laughs> I need to know these things. I will, it, it's been such a pleasure having all of you, and congratulations on everything. And, uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It's been so lovely spending this time. Have a great day. You Take too. care. Thanks. Thank you. You Thanks. too. Thank you. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore, and the talent was booked by Anna Strauss. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.